0: Football, 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 football. It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sport show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFSOSS.com at SOSS Twitter trim Trish TV slash AJ 3 with football season coming back, we will have some streams back on the Twitch. Uh, we figured out the Ethernet, so the lagging will cease, so those will be back soon. So I, I know you're probably like, you keep plugging this Twitch, like, when are you going to stream on it? I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but yes, back to twice a week, starting this week, until the end of the, pro, what, the Champions League next summer, Probably. Choice week to like June, July, most likely, I would say. So we're back to choice week, and we do that with the Premier League season preview on this pod. Then we'll do some soccer transfer rumors, NFL headlines, some more conference realignment to break down and talk about, and then some golf ahead of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So we'll preview the season for the EPL on this episode. Thursday will be a match day one preview, and then. The college football stuff starts up the 24th with over-unders. And then the 29th will be the season preview with the 31st being the week one preview, which will also be our NFL over-under game. And then the following Tuesday, the 5th will be the NFL season preview. And then the following Thursday, we're back with an NFL week one preview. So that is the football schedule for the pod. Back to twice a week now with footy booting back up again for the start of their domestic club season. So we will do a Premier League season preview, we'll do soccer transfer rumors, we'll do NFL headlines, college football, realignment, conference realignment, some golf, and more. I was going to go see Oppenheimer again. I might still go see it again, but I didn't see it twice yet, so uh, I don't have any more happy comments yet. So kick it off. Premier League season preview, and I have the 20 teams in tiers. And that's how we're going to preview it. We'll go team by team, who's the transfers in, who's the transfers out. Um, and to start it is the title contenders, and it's obviously Manchester City who's looking to go four in a row. Arsenal, who came in second last season. And I'm going to put Liverpool in the title contender because it just seems like Klopp's team's Fight till the end, and even if they're not title contending, they will try to finish as far up the table as they can. Arsenal, I believe, can win the title, and City, we know, can win the title. Now, in the top four race, I have four teams here for theoretically one spot because title contenders only gonna be one title winner, right? Um, so Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Newcastle in this top four race, then I have Villa and Brighton in the Europa League race, top half contenders. You could list Brentford possibly Crystal Palace. Wolves are going to bounce back after tough seasons, I, I think, with Lopetegui. Once he took over, he looked good. And West Ham had a really weird season because of that European campaign, but I still think they can certainly finish top half with Moyes. Now, we know three teams go down in the Prem, but the relegation battle, I think, is big. Fulham are in. Forest are in. Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Lutontown. I think the three teams will come from those seven. Now, could Wolves or Crystal Palace or even a West Ham have a disaster season where they're in the relegation battle? For sure, they could. And could Fulham or Everton never really show up in this race at all be be fine? Yeah, possibly. I could be dead wrong on these groupings. But I think it's going to be tough for the teams coming up. Um, even though Burnley play a different style, I, I don't know how many Premier League players they have on that team. Same kind of thing with Sheffield United and Lutontown. Bournemouth getting rid of their manager and bringing in a new one, I don't really like that, especially after the manager did a really good job for you. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about the relegation teams, but we will certainly start with the title contenders, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool. And Manchester City are off the trouble. They're going for four Premier League titles in a row. This possibly could be Pep Guardiola's last season. A lot of people hinted at it um, last year that Pep was going to walk away, especially if they had won everything, which they ended up doing, but he is back for another season. He said he's on a contract. He will manage the team. So these rumors are going to swirl because he said he was there to win a Champions League and he's done it. How long does he stay on for the project? Who knows? But those rumors will continue until he kind of says, no, I'm coming back next season, of course. So we'll see. Now for the squad, they lose Gunawan. they lose Morris, they lose Trafford, who is going to go be the Burnley keeper, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct as I scroll down my uh, my list here? Yes, Trafford's going to go be the Burnley keeper for company. So those are their outs. They want to keep Bernard Silva, they want to keep Kyle Walker, which towards the end of last season, it seemed like both those players were leaving, even though they were under contract. So seems like they're going to keep those two, and they've brought in... Kovacic in the middle of the park, a European champion, and they brought in the best center back that was on the market in Guardiola. He can play the left side center back role um, in a four. Theoretically, he could play in the three if Pep wants to continue the three, two, four, one that he did last season down the stretch of the season to win everything if he goes back to that formation. So you lose Gunawan, who was your club captain for that little stretch, and he's the captain that ends up winning it all. So, yes, you had a company and David Silva. And you've had plenty of captains. And now you have, uh, you had Fernandinho there even for a little bit. So, Gudawan's the one that won it all, though. And you're missing him. You bring in Kovacic, who I, I think is a sensational footballer in the middle of the park. I would have him in my team in any squad. Um, and they bring in Guardiola, who... <laughs> you look at Manchester city and the way they've been able to compete and compete and compete. They go out and sign the best center back or the best defender in every class. It seems like so in every window. So they bring in Gordial who is sensational. So will it be a new formation for pep? Will he stick with the three um, column center backs with Kyle Walker back there most likely. And it was, for the, the stretch run, Ake and Akanji, Diaz, four for those three spots. Then you had uh, Stones and Rodri in their little two-double pivot, and then they went four across with Silva and um, Grealish on the wings, De Bruyne and Gunawan in the middle of the park, and then Holland, of course, up top. Now you bring in a Gordiol, so you have so much depth at center back, so much. Goriol Diaz. Uh, Stones, even though he's the center defensive midfielder in the previous system, he probably reverts back to center back until Pep has to change it again. Um, Laporte even, Ake, Akanji, so many center backs, and they have not yet moved on from Cancelo yet, who is looking to go to Barcelona, as we know, but as of right now, he's still on the team, and they have that great depth of center back. Midfield, a little bit of turnover, but they've kept Bernardo Silva, it seems like, so it's not as drastic. Losing him and Gunawan would have been big, but they bring in Kovacic. I think he slides right in, and I've barely mentioned it, but Erling Haaland's the best striker in the world, and we all know it, and he scores goals that other strikers can't. He scores at a clip that other strikers can't. For years, we've been talking about Pep missing a striker at Manchester City since losing Aguero, and even Aguero didn't. He typically wasn't a pep um, center forward, especially in this system or striker or whatever you want to kind of call it. But he does have one now in Holland. De Bruyne whips the ball into him. You know, like Foden, Grealish, all these guys can cross it. The wingbacks can cross it. Rodri can ping the ball to him. He's a brilliant player, and he's the best goal scorer in the Prem. He's probably the best goal scorer in the world. And unless there are severe injuries to a Holland, to a Diaz, to a couple other center backs with a Diaz. Um, if you lose De Bruyne for a lot of time, those are really the only ways I can think of this Man City team stumbling. Holland and Alvarez, though they're not the uh, similar players, they can play alongside each other, and Alvarez can certainly spell Holland these different, but he can certainly still play in that role that will occupy the same space as Holland when Holland comes out. Foden's a guy that's not starting when he does this lineup. Phil Foden might start almost everywhere else in the world than Man City, okay? So they have tremendous players. They have one of the best coaches ever. And they're winners. So I don't know how you pick against them right now because – if anything, last year was a year where, okay, it's going to take some time. Holland's got to get used to the league. And though they weren't in first place until they took it over for good later in the season, later in the campaign, once they did it, you were like, oh, of course they did. It's Manchester City. They have Holland and De Bruyne. Pepin did this new system where he plays uh, Stones as a center defensive mid. And people are like, what the hell is he doing there? And he works out. So you got to give them the odds-on favorites. Now, Arsenal, a great season, a building block season. Unfortunately, it netted no silverware. But with that season, Arteta got backed by the Cronkies. He got backed by the owners. They have a perfect transfer window, in my opinion. Kai Havertz can play in your midfield. He can play up top for you. Rice can play in the holding six. He can play in the double pivot eight. He can play box-to-box. And Timber, who they're playing at left-back right now because Zinchenko is banged up as is Tierney. He's can play right-back. He can play center-back. Apparently he can play left-back. And though I talked about it last week with Raya, I don't love bringing in a keeper this late, and I think Ramsdale is a, a very, very solid keeper. And to me, if you're bringing in Raya, who's a guy that's been a proven starter in the Premier, you're, you're not looking at Rams will be like yeah you're my number one and I can understand hey we're we're loaning Turner we're selling Turner Force. we'll get to that in a second so we need another keeper but do you do you just go for another team starter in your league and then expect him to be cool with it I don't know so Havertz Rice Timber I think are three brilliant moves for Arsenal and Arteta the Rio one is making me scratch my head they um Jaka walks, Maitland-Niles walks. So they haven't had a ton of guys leaving, but Arteta is building a squad. Now, with this squad, it's going to have a Champions League impact on their Premier League season. Okay, Um, Teams that haven't played in the Champions League that first season, it is an adjustment period. Either you're going to bow out of the Champions League or you're going to go further in that, and maybe your Prem season, I don't want to say gets sacrificed all out 100%, but if you're making a run in the Champions League, you might not field your best team Saturday afternoon because you got Wednesday at the Camp now, or in three weeks' time when you win that, you got uh, Juventus coming. You know what I mean? So, and this is not the first team we'll talk about this with. We'll talk about it with the Newcastle. We'll talk about it with the United. Um, even though United's had some spells in Champions League, but with Ten Hag, year two, it's it's big, so we'll get to them in a, in a second. After we talk Liverpool, of course. But Arsenal, very good squad. Saka and Martinelli are brilliant players. Odegaard being the captain, I really like. The Jesus injury is going to hurt them to start the season, but Kai Havers could slide in there. And Kentia can still play games. Who knows if they're going to sell Balogun yet, but Balogun could get a shot here. And maybe you move him in January or something. But I understand that Jesus injury is big, but they have guys that can fill in. Maybe not play exactly how Jesus plays, but guys that can fill in. And Trussard's been brilliant since coming over from Brighton. So the attack has depth. The midfield has depth. They didn't move on from Partey. And defensively, if they can stay healthy, Saliba and Gabriel have been a great pairing, even though I'm not the biggest Gabriel fan. Ben White has been very good at right back, even though I think he could play center back besides Saliba, but fine, whatever. But that Arsenal team is very, very good and very, very strong. And Arteta is going to need that depth and that strength if they're going to compete in both competitions and try to bring a trophy to the Emirates that's not the community shield. So Arsenal that next step is trophies. You know, after you bottle a t- uh, bottle a season, you got to come back in the next season with a trophy somewhere. Because then it's certainly a big step backward, especially if you bottled the year before. If you competed and you got and you lost it or somebody caught you, that's one thing, but I think we all agree Arsenal bottled it. Now, Liverpool, off their worst season under Jurgen Klopp, they said that in the transfer window, they were going to be acting early and often on their players. They did not go in for Jude Bellingham. They struck for McAllister for Brighton. They paid out Soboslai's release clause from Germany. So two strong attacking midfielders. But what also happened... They knew they were losing Firmino, Milner, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Abicada. They sent Fabio Carvalho on loan, which is an interesting move in itself. But the loss of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho towards the end of July to the Saudi League when Liverpool didn't think they were going to lose those players. Liverpool thought their business was done. Only two incomings, but they still had the semblance of a solid midfield. With Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago kind of spelling each other, with Jones and Badacich also being able to play those positions that they're in, right? Unfortunately, Henderson and Fabinho move on, and now Liverpool are penny pitching offers to Southampton over Lavia, a defensive midfielder. So, um, as a supporter, I'm furious with the ownership, how they're not backing the owner, but they haven't backed the owner, uh, backed the owner, backed the coach. I'm furious that they haven't backed Klopp. Unbiased, take, this is just what Liverpool's done. They don't spend for the big players. They rarely do that. And for the roster, you need some guys. You need some guys in the squad because it's a big year. And I wonder what the balance is between the Premier League and the Europa League for Klopp. Will he play more younger sides on Thursday nights, will he be going with the big guns each and every Thursday? Or will he be chasing top four in the Premier League to make sure they get back into Champions League? I wonder what the balance is going to be like. And again, for that reason, the squad needs some more players. Klopp needs some more players. And with uh, Henderson leaving, who is the captain, Van Dyke is named the captain, Trent. I was in the vice captain. I think Robertson, Allison, Salah are in the um, leadership group as well, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a big year for Liverpool, and they got to contend for the title. They got to show up in a Europa competition that they don't want to be in, but we'll see what they're trying to get out of it. If they're saying, okay, let's just win Europa. That's a way to get into Champions League regardless. Well, we'll see. You just finish top four in the Prem. You can just do it that way. Um, but Liverpool needs some more business. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has said that they still want two or three signings before the window. Closes at the end of the month. And I just don't like doing a ton of business at the s- once the season started to the win to the deadline I really don't I think you got to bring these players in as soon as possible get them indoctrinated to the culture get them indoctrinated to what you want to do how you want to play the systems the football the culture all of it I think the the quicker you get these guys in the quicker they can learn from their teammates quicker their teammates can learn about them leaving this kind of business towards the last part of the window I, I just don't like I don't think that's the way to do business. But I do see Liverpool in a perfect season. They can absolutely win because of the guys they have up front. You got Salah, who is on the right. But the other four guys of the top five attackers can all play pretty much striker and left wing besides Diaz. Jota, Nunez, Gakpo can all play the nine and the left wing. Diaz can play the left wing. Gakpo can even play a little bit in the midfield, apparently. Klopp's been playing him there. And then you got Sobaslight. You got Elliott. You got McAllister, Jones, Baticic, Thiago. You need another guy in there. That's for sure. That is for sure. And maybe even another center back. All right. Uh, next category top four race. So this is Man U, Chelsea, Tottenham, Newcastle, Manchester United, year one, Ten Hog. Carabao Cup win, FA Cup final, top four finish. That's a good year one. You got a trophy, you got to another final, and you make sure you get into Champions League. That's a good first season for Ten Hag with all the drama he had with Ronaldo freaking out and all that kind of stuff, right? Good business in the window. They get Mason Mount early on. They get Onana because they um, the De Gea era is over. And they bring in Hodglin. They're still looking to get Amrabat, which... I think that's a really good move because Casemiro is a stopgap center of offensive mid. If you told me that he's the center of offensive mid of future for like the next three, four years from United, I'd be a little worried. I would say that's a bad idea, but if they go get Amber that's brilliant um, to have him spell, then take over Casemiro's role. And they bring in Hodglin, the striker from Atlanta. So if it's those four guys, that's a really good window. I know they lost the Haya club legend, Alanga, Telus as well. They want to get rid of McGuire, possibly McTominay. We'll talk about which team's in for them in a second. But for Ten Hag, it's build off year one. It's have Rashford be a big player for you again. It's have Anthony improve year two with you at Old Trafford. And also, you name Bruno the captain. You want to see him be a leader. He was was the opposite of a leader at Anfield when they were getting shelled. So... You want to see your captain be your captain. And also, the elephant in the room for this club, they're still for sale. So, any day now, it could break that there's new owners coming in or anything like that. So, um, very, very interesting situation for Man United, that's for sure. Off the pitch and on the pitch. On the pitch, plenty of good players. And could they win the title if it all broke for them? Sure. But I just still think a top-four finish would be very, very good for them. Next up, Chelsea. Nightmare season last year. Pochettino now in. Big window. And Cuckoo. Jackson up front. They bring in Sanchez to push Kepa, possibly out. We'll see. And they sign Diossi on the back line. And those are the incomings. And they have some more as well. And they're still working on some. But outgoing. Havertz. Mount. Kovacic, Pulisic, Aspilicueta, Loftus-Cheeks, Koulibaly, Mendy, Conte, Aubameyang. I'm pretty sure they still want to move on from Hudson-Odoi. They want Kaiseido. We know they're looking to move on from Lukaku, but what's on the table right now is a lukaku Vlahovic swap with Juventus so they could bring in another striker uh, to play along and Cuckoo and Jackson and the rest of the attacking players that they have. So, so many questions for the Chelsea squad. I know we asked trust. Like some questions about Man City, a few about Arsenal, some about Liverpool, a couple about United. But Chelsea and Tottenham, I feel like, have the most questions at um, to be asked of them. So we start here with Chelsea. Who's the keeper? Is it Kepa? Is it Sanchez? Who is in the best 11? What's the best formation? Will Pochettino be given time to figure out all these things? So many players have left Stanford Bridge, and they've brought in over the last 18 months so many players. They moved on from a few managers, okay, in Tycho, Potter. They bring in Lampard for caretaker. Now they bring in Pochettino. Will Poch be given time to figure out what formation they're going to play, who's going to play in that formation, who the keeper is, What style? Like, all these, there's so many questions for Chelsea. And I think there's a lot of questions that are going to have exciting answers. Because there's so many guys like Nkuku, Jackson, uh, Maduki. uh, There's so many guys that can possibly be the next big Chelsea goal scorer. Who's it going to be? And in the midfield, you're going to have Enzo. They're thinking you have Caicedo. They might move Gallagher still. I think Gallagher's a really nice player. But they might move him. Raz Sterling has to have a better season. So who is playing for Poach? It's Very interesting. Chelsea have a lot of questions. And, again, if it all goes right for them, they don't have to worry about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday necessarily, right? So if all their eggs are in, you know, maybe the Prem basket or maybe just an FA Cup basket, they certainly could get a trophy. So we'll see. And if Pochettino wins a trophy before the next thing we talk about, God bless what happens to the Tottenham Hotspur fans. Because they're off a forgettable season. Plenty of issues with managers, plenty of issues with players, plenty of issues with Levy. In comes Pasta Caglio from the, uh, the Aussie who everywhere he's gone, he's won, which I think is a good thing for Tottenham fans. But what he's going to be coaching and managing is really still up in the air. Now, some of the moves they made in making sure Kulusevski comes in permanently from Juventus, I think that's a good move. He's a great winger. They go get James Madison from the relegated Leicester. Uh, Vicario as well, they bring him in. Now, they lose Winks, they lose Mora, which aren't the worst players to lose out on, but Kane to Bayern still being a possibility, that hurts. Because, yes, Kulisowski, Sohm, Richardson, Madison, you still have good attacking players, but you don't have the nation's best striker if you lose Kane. Now, Van Ven could also come in. Valise could also come in. They're both going through medicals. You got to give the manager a lot of time here. And I just don't, like, for Tottenham fans, I really hope they don't have a ton of expectations or expectations at all. I saw somewhere that I was watching a, uh, the preview for, was it the official Premier League preview, whatever, they were listening. Uh, talking to, to journals and fans and all this, and this guy's Australian. He's like Tottenham. We're gonna finish second. In what world, dude? Even if they don't sell Kane, I don't think they've improved defensively. They've moved on from Lloris, okay. If they move on from Kane, that's so much of their identity as a club. Those two guys that they've had. Romero's a good defender, but he'll do something stupid every three games. They don't traditionally play four at the back, so will the guys that they have had being wingbacks, can they be traditional fullbacks? We'll see. Again, the the questions for the London clubs in Chelsea and Tottenham, there are so many. Now again, if all goes well for them, you should see them compete for a top four spot. I don't think we see a uh, a bottom half finish for Chelsea. I think they'll be better. Tottenham, if it doesn't pan out, could finish. But if it all, Tottenham's ceiling and floor is crazy, especially this season. Newcastle next. Off the brilliant top-four finish, Eddie Howe's been a fantastic manager since taking control at St. James' Park. Another team that I think's had a great window. Newcastle and Arsenal have had two great windows, in my opinion. United had a good window as well. If you're hearing like the thunder and lightning, I apologize. I don't know how, how you would um, eliminate that, but there's some storms here in Jersey going on right here, some summer storms. So out Wood and St. Maximin. St. Maximin is a nice player for them. It's unfortunate because he's been one of the bright spots of those transition years for Newcastle. But they bring in Tonali, who is an awesome, awesome number six. Harvey Barnes from the relegated Leicester, a bright, brilliant, striking kind of player along the wing. And Romento, who I think is going to be a right back that a lot of people talk about going forward when he figures it out. Now, this is another team with the Champions League impact. Will they be able to compete Tuesday, Wednesday, and at the weekend? Do they have the depth? We know they have the stadium and the supporters. But does Eddie Howe have enough depth to continue to compete in two of the biggest leagues in the world? Man United have a little bit to do with that as well for their Champions League. But Newcastle have a very good squad. Is it deep enough? Isak, great striker. Wilson, very good striker. You're bringing Barnes up top. You have Almiron, who's a brilliant player. I like a lot of their midfielders. Willick, Joe Linton, Longstaff. They have some good players. Dan Byrne on the back end, they have some good players. Do they have enough? That's what we're going to see. All right, Europa... League race, Aston Villa with Emery. He's got the club back. They're bouncing. Another team with a really good window. Thielman's from Leicester, Torres from Spain, the defender, Diaby from Germany. Diaby's been a guy that I've looked at and said, why can't he be on a Prem team? And now he is. So they lose out on Ashley Young. They're in the conference league. And this is a club with the manager, the fans, Villa Park. It's been turned around. And they're ready to to play hard week in and week out for 90 minutes. And we'll see what they can do playing some games in the midweek and at the weekend as well. So uh, Villa, a very, very good team. Watkins is a very good striker. Solid midfield. Good defense. Mings has turned it around. Pair him with Torres. That's a strong two center backs. Brighton up next off sixth place finish. Best finish in the Prem for DeZerbe. He's got a full camp. They bring in Milner, DeHood, Jao Pedro, um, Igor uh, Verbruggen, who's going to play keeper because they lost Sanchez, and possibly even Kudas from Ajax. So a big window for Brighton. They lose Sanchez. They lose Ndav. They lose McAllister. They're probably going to lose Caicedo. They're in Europa League. DeZerbe is a very good manager, he's been backed. Even though the club has moved on for players, but Brighton have kind of found their little lane in. Hey, we're gonna gamble on a couple of players that we can bring in and hopefully sell for a little long, uh, a little bit more money in a few years. But if we get it right for that player, we can bring in three more. So that's what we've seen Brighton do, and it was good when Potter was there, and now it's really good with Zerbe. Next up, top half contenders, Brentford, Crystal Palace, Wolves, West Ham, Brentford with Thomas Frank. The big news here, Tony suspended until mid-January. Where are the goals going to come from? De Silva, and Buemo. Jansen even. They have some guys that can chip in with goals, but Tony was the talisman. Tony was the guy for them. So that's tough, but they bring in Collins, who's going to be a, a backline guy for them. Uh, Fleck, um, Fleck in the keeper from Freiburg. If they lose uh, Raya to Arsenal, Beckham, Sade, they've, they've made some good moves, um, Brentford have, for Thomas Frank. So giving them some reinforcements, and hopefully they can have another good season. Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson stays on. Lerma, the only incoming, they lose Zaha, MacArthur, Mojovich, Butland. So kind of a changing of the guard with the players, but they keep Hodgson around uh, to be the manager. So we'll see what happens. They want to keep Eze, they want to keep Elise. They don't want to sell those young guys yet. So we will see what happens with them. They bring in Lerma, who could help out um, and score some goals, that's for sure. So Crystal Palace. Next up, West Ham. The Conference League Trophy was their first trophy since 1980 with uh, David Moyes bringing it back to London. No incomings official. Alvarez could be the first signing. They've also made a bid for Harry Maguire and McTominay for Manchester United. So that's the team that's looking to get both Maguire and McTominay from Old Trafford to bring him in to London. They sold Rice. They let Lanzini go. They sold Scamacchia back to Italy. That was kind of a failed experiment, trying to play him with Antonio and them for each other. Alvarez certainly helps out in the middle of the park, as would McTominay. McGuire would be a nice little bonus to their back line that's aging a little bit so that's the deal with West Ham Wolves up next Lobotegi had a big impact when he came in they bring back fan favorite in Matt Doherty but they sell Jimenez Connor Cody gone Collins gone, Neves gone, Costa gone, Moutinho gone lowest scoring side last season yet no reinforcements yet on the front line so that's tough for Wolves um they're certainly going to need to bring in a goal scorer somehow, some way. They need to get a striker in the worst way. I understand you sell Neves when a team comes calling for him. Um, you could have got maybe triple digits from him a couple years ago before the head injury, unfortunately. That stinks, but that's sports. Now you have No true number nine. You got to go get somebody and you got to get somebody fast. Because if this team doesn't have a true striker until January. Is that. Is that a hole big enough that they can dig out of. So we'll see. So Wolves can certainly be a, a, a side that fights for a top half finish. Or they could be in the relegation battle, that's for sure. I gave them the benefit of the doubt, and now we get to the relegation battle section. Fulham, Forrest, Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Lutontown. So Fulham with Silva, who stays on after they kind of fought off Saudi Arabia deals for the manager. They're the team that brings in Raul Jimenez. They also brought in Bossy, but no real outgoings. If they lose Mitrovic to the Saudi League, I don't know if Jimenez can replicate what Mitrovic does for this team, for that club. Mitrovic, to me, I understand he got the suspension for you know bodying the refs. That was dumb. Again, that red car, that was stupid. But he is some type of striker, and I don't know if Raul Jimenez is the same. Everton have kind of gone down to the last few days of the seasons with this relegation fight. Sean Deitch in full camp. They bring in Danjuma and Ashley Young. Outgo Mina Davies Towson among other players, and it's a tough ask for Sean Dyche. Doesn't tr- get back tremendously um, by the by the board by his owners at Goodison there, but a guy that's done a lot with less, going back to his days at Turf Moor with Burnley and the jobs he did to keep that team up, getting no reinforcements year after year after year. A good manager and a, and a manager that I think if he is backed with a healthy enough team that can compete at the Premier League level, uh, a manager good enough not to have anybody go down. So, Everton, even though they are in the relegation section, they are. They're, they could be. Nottingham Forest, Forrest, another club that took it down to the wire there, Steve Cooper, the manager. They bring in Wood permanently. They bring in Elango from Manchester United. Alco, IU, Lingard. Matt Turner is possibly on the way in from Arsenal to play keeper. They... We're looking for Dean Henderson. They didn't get him, so now they get moving out to Turner. Turner's a good keeper, as is Henderson in my opinion. But Wood, as a permanent Premier League proven striker, can go get you a header at the end of a match when you need to off a set piece, off a corner, something like that. Alanga is a guy that they're going to look to. He's had moments for United where he's shown flashes of being a Goal scoring winger. Can he do it for Forest? The last of the teams, not um coming up. Bournemouth, O'Neill out, Andoni Uara in as manager. They bring in Kluvert. They bring in Triore. Out goes Jefferson Lerma. And now let's come to the three teams that have come up from the championship. Burnley with Vincent Company. It's not. Sean Deitchball that they were in the Prem from 16-17 to 21-22. They brought in Trafford to be the goalie and Doomy to help out scoring. So Burnley's going to have a tough ask, as is Sheffield United, who came up in 2019, stayed for another season, then went down to the championship. Paul Heckenbottom was a caretaker manager uh, when they went all the way down, but he is still the manager now. No real significant incomings or outgoing, so that's kind of not how you prepare for a Premier League season, in my opinion. Then we have Luton Town, first team, uh, first time in the Prem, the 51st different team in the top flight. Rob Edwards is the manager. Interesting story here. They've had a player, uh, Mpanzu, I believe his name. He's been with the club in every division, so that's pretty cool. So when he takes the um, pitch as a Premier League player, I think he's going to be the first guy to ever do that with the same club. Uh, they brought in Chong, no real outgoing. So let's go to the table predictions. I have Manchester City winning. Liverpool coming in second, Arsenal third, Manchester United fourth. I have Chelsea surprising a lot of people with a fifth place finish. Uh, Newcastle sixth, Villa seventh, Tottenham eight, Brighton nine, Brentford ten, then West Ham, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Forest, Burnley, Everton, Fulham just avoid relegation. I have Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Luton Town going down. So that's the Premier League season preview. Balloon to or, or Golden Boot, Holland, Golden Gloves. Ederson or Allison. Uh, Manager of the year, probably Pep. If I had to guess. All right, soccer transfer rumors. This is a PSG uh, segment right now because the Mbappe developing situation continues to develop. Has not been sold. He's going to train, not with the first team, so he's going to train with the youth team. The manager might quit. Enrique might quit because he's come to manage Neymar and Mbappe, and Mbappe might leave, and guess what? Breaking news on Monday Neymar wants to leave Paris too. So they got Gonzalo Ramos coming in. They got Colemanani possibly coming in as well. But they might lose Mbappe and Neymar in the same window, which would be insane. But for me, Paris, they've been a soap opera since they've really developed into this project with the backing that they've had financially and the players that they've gotten. You know, really since the Neymar move, you could argue. So, I don't know. It's crazy. But they still really want to get rid of Mbappe. He kind of wants to go because he's not going to sign a new deal. Neymar has now said he wants to go. And Enrique, the manager who hasn't managed a minute yet of real football for Paris Saint-Germain, might leave. Uh, Jan Somers is going to enter, so he'll replace Onana, who has now replaced David David De Gea. No real Saudi league signings of late. So we move on to NFL headlines. Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended the first three games of the season for the Saints. The other running back, Benjamin, tours Achilles. So the Saints are looking for somebody. And Kareem Hunt has visited New Orleans since all of this is broke. Uh, more news with the Saints. They made Cam Jordan another offer, two for 27 and a half. So that's an extension that's going to make him a Saint for his whole career, which is pretty cool. The Bengals and... The linebacker Wilson have agreed to a new deal, four for 37. Pats and Matt Judon, new deal for more guaranteed money. Cowboys have not agreed to new terms with the holdout. Zach Martin instead have agreed to a new contract with Malik Hooker, one of their three headed safeties. So at some point, you think the Cowboys are going to work on a deal with Zach Martin. The Panthers have signed Justin Houston to help out their pass rush, and the Lions have signed Teddy Bridgewater to help back up Jared Goff. Now, college football realignment. Oregon and Washington are going to join the Big Ten, so they're going to come along with USC and UCLA. Uh, Not a lot of people are happy about that, including USC. And, of course, a lot of Pac-12 people because the Pac-12 is dead because also Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are going to go from the Pac-12 along with Colorado to the Big 12. So the Big 12 has set itself up nicely after a lot of people thought its demise was going to be on after Texas and Oklahoma left. The Big 12 has done a nice job with adding teams. Now they might not be the biggest brands in a UCF, a Cincinnati, a BYU, and a Houston, but those teams help keep everybody else around. They bring back Colorado, they get both Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to come in. Big 12 has set itself up nicely to be that third league behind the SEC and the Big Ten. Now, could they catch those teams? Probably could they catch those leagues? Probably not. But they have certainly moved themselves ahead of the ACC and obviously above the Pac-12, which is right now the Pac-4. So Pac-12 is in trouble. It's pretty much a deathbed for the conference of championship. It sucks. Um, but with what's the SEC's done and the Big Ten's done, the Big Twelve had to act, and unfortunately, the Pac-12 is donezo. Over to golf. Lucas Glover wins the Wyndham Championship. So go Tigers. Shout out Lucas Glover. Unfortunately, Justin Thomas places seventy one seventy uh, first in the season. He almost chipped in to get into the playoff, which would have been insane on insane on the seventy second hole. So JT, Billy Horschel, Adam Scott all miss out on the playoffs as well. So those will get started. Um, with the FedEx champion is that what it is? The FedEx Championship, the Saint Jude FedEx championship. What FedEx Cup playoffs. What are the events? This is called producing on the fly, folks. FedEx St. Jude Championship. Yeah, top seventy then the fifth, top 50 at the BMW, and then the top 30 at Eastlake. And that's when they do the uh, 10 shots, 10 under, 8 under, 7, like all that for the the leaders. So that's what we got looked forward to for the golf. So we'll do that. Then we'll do the Ryder Cup as well. And then that's the end of the golf season because they're going to do the calendar year again, which is the right decision in my opinion. But they don't want to do the wraparound anymore, which I understand. So we'll have a... Premier League Match Day 1 preview on Thursday show. And then the college football previews get underway with Over-Unders on the 24th, the season preview on the 29th, and the Week 1 preview on the 31st. Also, the show on the 31st is the NFL Over-Unders. The following Tuesday will be our NFL season preview. And the following Thursday, it's NFL Week 1, folks. So get ready. Football just around the corner. Thursday, we will be previewing matches in England in Spain and in France if I'm not mistaken with Italy and uh, the Bundesliga, Serie A and the Bundesliga not yet to get underway so footy matches to preview on Thursday. show back to twice a week we will talk to you on Thursday until then, peace check out his podcast that sounds like my kind of podcast football 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 and sometimes other sports show sounds like me